Idleman Unplugged is part of the Edify Podcast Network. I want to see your face Pass me by the crowds of people The priests who sing your praise Hello, my name is Shane Idleman, and I'm the pastor of Westside Christian Fellowship in Leona Valley, California. It is my personal heart and goal for you to see truth through a biblical perspective. I hope that you enjoy this segment of Idleman Unplugged. Hello and welcome to another episode of Idleman Unplugged. I am your host, Luke Duncan, and on this episode of the podcast, Pastor Shane and Pastor Abram Thomas discuss hot topics and current events recorded live at Westside Christian Fellowship. We hope that you enjoy this segment of Idleman Unplugged. I hunger and thirst for your righteousness, and it's only found I think it's good for the body to hear kind of what we believe on certain issues. We don't agree on everything, and that's healthy as long as we agree on the essentials. Um, we can have different views on different things because the Bible's not clear on some things regarding like the end times uh, or the, the mark of the beast is, is pretty clear, but how it's all going to transpire America's American prophecy and different things. So I'm going to start with the first question that... Um, we actually, the reason we want to do this is a question came in about critical race theory and racism in our nation. It's a big deal right now, and it's only getting um, worse. And as a Christian community, we have to have a little bit different approach than, um, than the world would. But in a nutshell, for those of you who don't know, and I'm going to teach on in the future, so it's not a, uh, it's not a time right now to really pack it, unpack it, but critical race theory has its roots in Marxism. And Marxism would divide the upper class and, and those wealthy, and they, they wanted to cause a revolution to kind of put everybody on the same, uh, same page. And so critical race theory, probably the 1970s, 80s, 90s, they begin to, Black Lives Matter, for example, they would begin to gravitate towards this division. But instead of upper class, lower class, it was skin color. So meaning because you're white, you're an oppressor just because you're white. And if you're a certain ethnicity, you, you've been um, uh, dealt a, a bad deck of hands and we need to equal all this out. And really the way you change racism and, and help people is through the heart. It's a heart, it's a heart issue, not a, um, not a, not a, you can't force it, not a skin issue. Um, so on this issue, I think this one, is this one working? Yeah. Oh, you got that on? Does it work? Joe, is it on? We're going to try both these for the first time. If not, you can pop this one on. Yes, sir. Try this one too. But, uh, so anyway, that's what critical race theory is. Um, and me and Pastor Abram are on the same page with this. We know it's a very destructive, uh, thing we saw from the beginning with Black Lives Matter, the, the disintegration of the family. It really wasn't again for black lives. It was whoever met their, their political narrative and their agenda. And so critical race theory is being taught in the schools. And it's, it's, it's really, di- it's actually causing racism. It's dividing colors and, and colors. So, but yeah, um, critical race theory, pastor summed it up really, really, uh, clearly is there's an America, there's racial classes. And of course, on the top of that would be white America. And at the bottom of that would be black America is what I've come to understand. And of course, this is completely racist and it's based upon skin color. Um, of course, we know Martin Luther King when he gave his, you know, I have a dream speech. His dream was that his children would be judged not by the color of their skin, but the content of their character. And of course, 
Uh, what we're seeing in CRT is the complete opposite. It's, it's based upon skin color, and it's saying that America is systematically racist from its legal system to the economic makeup of, a, of our country, but um, where else in the world can you, for example, you know, one of the biggest social justice warriors today, like LeBron, LeBron James, mm -hmm. right? Where else could you be raised by a single mother, you know, and, you know, in poverty, and then rise up to be a billionaire? Nowhere else in the world, you know? And so, you know, a lot of people who champion these, these false ideologies are, are beneficiaries of what God has given us in this country. And so what you're telling to black little children is that they're victims and that they, they could never get, you know, ahead or they could never achieve. And so they don't try. And then what you're telling the white children is that they're, they're racist just because of the colors of their skin. And, and it's really from the pit of hell. And so it's important that the pulpits of America speak out against these type of ideologies. Now I want you to know that this is infiltrated high academia, you know, you know, school curriculums, corporate America, our, our government, of course, military. There's 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 different names that they give it. Uh, they call it sensitivity training or or equality. They use they're very slick with their with their phrases and how they try to you know in, you know introduce it to uh, the the world. But we like we know the truth and and uh, so we felt like it was necessary for us to of course come out and speak, you know, against these things because this is heading somewhere. You know, I've heard, I heard about a first grade class. Yeah, we can clap. We have to speak about it. And uh, they're going to kindergarten and first graders and teaching them these things. What, do you, what does a first grader know about anything? I have a first grader. Uh, they make friends with someone in a second. It doesn't matter what the color of their skin is. I was, yesterday I was at ballet with Symphony and she's the only little black girl in the class. But all of her friends were just right there. They're, you know, racism is something that is taught. And so CRT is teaching racism to the children, the next generation. And um, sadly, people are buying it hook, line, and sinker because we live in a generation that doesn't read, doesn't look at history, right. doesn't, doesn't allow you know, them, them to be educated. It's more emotional. And so, yeah. Yeah. And that, that, that was the question. It says, which ways can the church help the community to the pushback against CRT, I think what we both agree with is talking about it and educating people and letting them know um, what is out there, but also understanding, see, we all look through life with different lenses. And the reason the black community and the white community are going to look at life through different lenses with police officers or the issue of slavery is there is a different America to some degree. You know, that they have to watch out for with the policeman, with the police issue because of the past and because of racism, 60s and 70s and and the police force. And and so they look at life at a different lens. So trying to get us all to be on the same lens is only going to work when we look at the word of God yeah. and we get on that as our as our as our gauge and as our as our plumb line. So yes, um, Amen. educating, I think, educating everyone and push how to how to push back against the woke culture. What that word means is woke uh, there's a lot of definitions, but basically the world out there, Hollywood, are, are the, the progressives, the liberals, they have a narrative that you have to, you have to match up with their narrative. And if you don't, 
you're, they're going to they're gonna go after you and they're going to try to pull you down. And if you, if, you, uh, if you didn't do something the way they want to do it, it, politically correct would be what we used to call it 20 some years ago. Um, you can't talk about this. You can't talk about that. You're, you're woke. You have to just fit their narrative. And so the best thing, the best way I think to, to deal with it is to preach about it when it comes up in the pulpit, educate people, um, ready to change the course for a minute. If you have other questions, you can write them down and take them back to Kyla back there and we'll try to get to them. Um, boy, oh boy, oh boy. <laughs> I don't know. Where do you want to start? So what do you, what do you tell, what do you tell your kids about Santa Claus? Okay. Hmm. Well, this is called Pastors Unplugged. So, um, no, I, I, I was never a fan of that. You know, I just kind of just, Morgan was raised a little differently. So, uh, we kind of clashed 18, 17, not clashed, but she, you know, she thought it's fun. And I didn't really want to tell them something that's not true. And so we worked through that. Um, but I think you got to also allow a little bit of freedom. I mean, it, it, it's not these types of things aren't hills to die in where I've seen marriages really get in fights over the years and, and, and so we shouldn't even have a Christmas tree or what about elf on the shelf? We shouldn't do that. That's ungodly. And there, I mean, there's a little bit of leeway where the husband and wife have to, have to kind of dialogue and come to a conclusion. But just on the surface, no, it's hard for me to tell, tell a story that's not going to be true. And then I've got to tell them the truth. Oh, I was just joking with you. Yeah. Well, what about Jesus? Is that true then too? Well, no, that one's true. Um, so again, I don't want to overanalyze this, but that's, that's my thoughts. Can I say something on that? Of course, yeah. Recently, you know, my kids have been asking a lot about uh, Santa. The other, the other night, we went to look at Christmas lights. And of course, every, uh, every home, a lot of homes have you know, Santa out there. And, and, um, and I was kind of frustrated, you know, because we do our very best to keep Christ central in everything, and especially Christmas. Um, and uh, my son asked me a question. I said, you know what, son? If you switch the T and the N in Santa, you get Satan. <laughs> and I'm not saying that Santa is Satan, guys. I'm not saying that. But what, I'm t- uh, what I said to him after that is I was like, what Satan does is he, he distracts us from the real reason for Christmas. And guys, you, you guys are falling into that right now. You're talking more about Santa than Jesus. And I just left it there. And uh, it was really quiet after that <laughs> in the car. <laughs> and so I think, you know, commercialism, yes, the, commercialism, going, going into debt, credit cards. Yes. And within three days, they don't want the present they got anyway. So, <laughs> yeah, think so just we, being careful. Yeah, we, we're trying to navigate these waters. We don't want to take the fun out of everything, but we do want to uh, emphasize what, what I think God would want us to. So that's the key. If mm-hmm. if. You're, it's about Christ. You're not overspending. You're keeping attitudes good. Thank you, Jesus. It's, it's all about Him, and you happen to have a snowman out front, or a, a Christmas tree, or a, um, what else is out there? Reindeer. I don't, you know, it, it's, those aren't, you know, to me, hills to die on. There's, there's, there's a lot of, I, I love Christmas season. I love Christmas lights, and just, I just think of the light of the gospel, and so I, my, my thinking's not focused on, in Jeremiah, it talks about cutting down a tree and decorating it and they worship it, but the whole point was idolatry and worshiping the tree. So the context is a little different there, but, um, Biblically speaking, what has to happen before Jesus comes again? I think we both agree that n- nothing on the prophetic time clock, it's the, there's the immediate return. It could be uh, any time. However, it could be a while too. 
There's nothing, I you agree. know, other than maybe the armies coming against Israel. I think we would see you know, more uh, wars. We see more alliances taking place, which we're seeing right now. Um, I think, what was that? Somebody saying the, the Jewish nation was a big one in 1949 when they became a nation. Yeah. You know, um, so, yeah, but it could be any, no one, no one knows. And that's why it's interesting. There's a lot of different views. You know, we all follow, if you follow Chuck Smith or Alistair Begg or Dr. Uh, Dave, uh, David Jeremiah, you know, you hear these, there's different views out there. And that's why personally, I don't take a strong type of, of, you know, dispensational, premillennial, pre-rap, post, you know, because to me, there's a, there's just some uncertainties here. Uh, out there, so I just we just want to be ready for his return. It could happen at any moment, but I do I do think there's the birth pains are going to increase and increase and increase and increase even more. Um, the Bible says heaven and earth will pass away, but my word is forever. Please explain the meaning of that verse. Mm-hmm. Uh, my thought is the creative order, what God created, the heavens, the outer universe, or the sky, and the earth itself will be will be remade uh, when we. Um, have that final state with God. Yep. I think of uh, in the Psalms, I think it is, it says forever thy word is settled in heaven. So the word of God existed prior to creation in heaven. Um, so it's going to exist after this creation is, you know, this, this earth will be, will be destroyed, we know, mm-hmm. and a new earth and a new heaven. And so, yeah, I think that's what Jesus was emphasizing, um, the uh, eternality of scripture. Anything that God breathes into is eternal. Yeah, um, his word won't. Won't fail. pass away. Yeah, it won't pass away. Will it be possible to sin in heaven? I don't think so. That's a tough one. The angels, the angels did it. That's true. I, I hope not. Oh my oh, Lord! Please, please. Because oh, <laughs> you know, there's no more sorrow, tears, or there's a perfect state again. So. Um, but it's interesting. You talk about revelation and, and the tree, the tree of life for the kingdoms that, that bring healing to the, to the nations. And outside of that were, they call dogs and, and people sinning. And so it's interesting. The millennial reign of Christ and it's all very, very interesting. But I don't think you'll be able to sin in heaven. Um, where does the Bible say that we can't be deceived into taking the mark of the beast? Does the Bible say by taking it, we will deliberately reject Christ? I might, I have a feeling this person is talking about the vaccine, maybe. <laughs> Where does the Bible say we can't be deceived into taking the mark of the beast? So they were asking, can you be deceived in taking the mark of the beast? Doesn't it say, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Pastor, that the God will shorten the days so that the very elect would not be deceived? Correct. Um, there's going to be a strong delusion. Um, and there's going to be a falling away first. Um, so I don't really think there's scripture that says can be tricked into it. it yeah. yeah. What's well, the mark of the beast? Most of you know, but Revelation 13, that this, this beast is going to arise that will, um, um, that will kill the saints of God. They will, there'll be a lot of martyrs. But then it says, and those who do not take the mark will not be able to buy or sell or trade. So the wording to me is there's a decision. You know, you, you kind of know what you're doing. You're not going to go, Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't know it meant that. Uh, and the question is coming up a lot with the vaccine and you're not going to take a vaccine. It's going to turn into the mark of the beast. (laughs) And I didn't know it. Um, but what's happening with that, with the vaccine passports, with the, these strict mandates, you can see how it can, it can be leading up to 
you know, there are some places you won't be able to get medical. I think it's Singapore now. You can't get medical service without a vaccine. And you can see Denmark, I think, or Sweden, where you can't maybe start going to public places or buying and selling without this, the vaccine. So if it's interesting nonetheless, but I don't, it's not the mark of where, because you're not rejecting Jesus or, or, or denying him or embracing the Antichrist. So I don't think a person will be deceived. Uh, does the Bible say by taking it that we will deliberately reject Christ? I believe so, because you're bowing to the Antichrist, the world, that world system. Uh, oh, here we go again. <laughs> Should ce- Christians celebrate Halloween? Wow. Didn't we deal with this in October? <laughs> Even if it's for a fall festival, knowing the dark spiritual background behind the holiday. Well, if you're interested on my website, you can put in the word Halloween. And I talked about redeeming the theme of Easter. Easter has um, not good roots. And Estar, the goddess Estar. Christmas actually doesn't have real good roots. And Halloween has bad, bad roots. Uh, and so it's hard to redeem that theme of Halloween. So should we celebrate Halloween with its decay and decadence? Of course not. Um, but like we had, we celebrated what Jesus did Halloween night. That was a powerful service. I'll never forget. Yeah. I think we're going to be doing that every single Halloween. Let's go. But if a church has, <laughs> you know, uh, the, the, if a church has a fall festival, it's mainly to get the kids off the street, get them into a healthy environment, have some music. Good but place. then there's fall festivals that go a little crazy with, with, these costume, you know, contests of witches and warlocks and, and they don't realize, you know, the costume, the jack-o'-lantern mm-hmm. and the trick-or-treat, you know, there's some, there's some pretty, pretty demonic roots to all that. Yes. But so again, I think it depends on what your definition, cause I love getting some pumpkins and make pumpkin seeds and watching a movie. Mm-hmm. Am I celebrating Halloween? I hope not. <laughs> now a pumpkin, God made a pumpkin. The yeah. seeds are okay to roast. Um, so anyway, I think you're probably, I'm in agreement on that. Yeah. 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 Completely. Uh, let's see. Hmm. I don't know if some of these are appropriate. <laughs> so if you're on Facebook watching, go ahead and put in the comments and we'll try to get to it. Should Christians that know we're in the end times just be still and wait on God or be activists? Hmm. Be active, you know. Yeah, the Bible. Jesus said, "Occupy till I come." Um, I think we we do a disservice if we just move to Idaho, get in a pup tent, uh, bunker <laughs> down, and, and don't you know don't work. And that, I mean, a lot of Christians are are in a way doing that. Oh, you know, Titanic's been struck; it's going down. Let's just you know, let's just bunker down until Jesus comes. He's coming soon. But we don't know that. It could be another hundred years. Um, and there's a, a, a mission that he's given us to, to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. Yeah. And I'm looking back here. I see Joe Lindemann back here. He retired um, as a chief, fire chief, right? And uh, But he's full-time now leading the firefighters for Christ. He could be sitting on, on some beach somewhere, putting his feet up, Right. But he's traveling to third world countries and and with the intent to train these men, but more importantly, to share the gospel with them. And so um, I think there is a clear answer that we should be busy for Jesus and he shouldn't come up and find us just twiddling our thumbs. You know, I think the reason too is people say you can't really make a difference, but I'm I'm of the belief that we don't know that. Yeah. 
I mean, throughout Scripture, whenever it's darkest, you know, the whole point of, oh, rend the heavens. God, would you rend the heavens and come down and visit your people again? You could see a mighty moving of His Spirit. I'm very yeah. confident in that because yeah. God's not up there going, oh, boy, this is hopeless. I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, He can just conquer darkness with His Word and, and just, just bring a mighty move of His Spirit. But there will be evil. Uh, coming against us. And so yeah. I'm actually pretty hopeful. I know it's going down, but God's going up and he's calling yeah. us to go up. Um, I don't think it'll be a hundred years though, but it'll be. <laughs> so, so in our children's lifetime, pastor's predicting. Maybe. I, yeah. It's, it's, I, I get to ask that a lot. And, yeah. and uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say because it, what your view of eschatology, what is the, your view of the end times? Um, I don't fit the, what I, what I, what I see in the Bible is, um, you know, I've taught about when I was in Revelation. We just, we really don't know what, um, when it's going to happen. No, nobody knows that day or the hour, but we can see these birth pains and the earthquakes. Mm. Now, it, it's interesting because Jesus, Anytime Jesus was saying this generation, this generation, he's talking to his contemporaries. Yes, sir. But now this Matthew in Matthew where it talks about earthquakes and famines, he's now talking to us 2000 years ago. But I think he's also talking to that current generation. So yes, it had dual application on uh, the signs of those times when the building, when Titus conquered Jerusalem in 70 AD, knocked down every stone. He said, it, not every stone you see is going to be one upon another. Mm -hmm. That did happen. That was fulfilled. Yes, sir. Um, and, you know, I haven't looked into it in a while, but if you look at like Caesar Nero and the Hebrew and things, it spells out 666. And uh, Josephus yeah. wrote about a lot of things in his works that kind of parallel with Revelation. But I can't embrace that really fully. But there's some interesting things there. Um, and when was Re Revelation written? Was it written in 60 AD or 95 AD? And mm. there's just so much to end times. I don't take a, a strong stance on exactly this is what's going to happen. Sure. But we do know it's going to happen and it's coming soon. Yeah, I think God purposely made it for sure unclear to us so that we can stay busy, um, so that we can we could stay focused on 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 the mandate yeah you know? and so yeah what do you think about the canadians going to jail for sharing the gospel i think it's awesome <laughs> kind of i mean it's not awesome they're going to jail yeah. but it's good for boldness. their boldness yeah i mean a year and a half ago we were wondering if we were going i mean it was just like that that real because of everything was was pushing and if we didn't have uh, the past president in office, I think our governor would have pressed even more hmm. on a lot of issues. So um, how, how do we discern God's will when making a big decision? Whew, if you can figure this out, let me know. <laughs> Any thoughts? I've got a few, but God's will will never conflict his word. We know that. True. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I always look for confirmation. I always look for uh, open doors a lot of times, sometimes, um, not, not all the time. I look for counsel. I get counsel. I, I, don't, I never made a life decision like when I was going to uh, marry my wife. Um, I got counsel. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I went Can I to, interject? Yes, sir. Because this is, we and me, you've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. Of all the people that moved out of the state of California from this church, nobody asked me or Pastor Abram our opinion. I'm serious. Oh. We're like, wow, and Just, I could, and I, and we knew half of them were not of God, and, and we're I don't think back. they want to hear the answer. No, you know, so and so yeah, big major life decisions. I think God said their safety in the multitude of counselors. 
Of course, prayer is primary, and God gives gives peace when he's in a decision, a major decision, and I, I believe he, he will confirm it. And, you know, there's been times in my life where I've, I've put out a fleece like Gideon and said, mm-hmm. God, if you're in this, yeah. um, please confirm it. I, I don't trust me. Like you say that often, Pastor, I don't trust me. And there's times when I've gotten ahead of God mm-hmm. and, and it was never good. <laughs> it was never good. So I lean towards the side of caution with these types of decisions mm-hmm. and, um, and I seek God and, and Prayer and fasting now is is a major part. I remember before we moved here, um, I went into my first extended fast, and you know, and God just confirmed and He opened doors during that time. So um, that's you know what I would suggest, what I would encourage. You know, just seek the Lord in that, but also godly counselors. Now, counselors, <laughs> you know, you can go wrong with that sometimes. You know, I had godly men who, who were on both sides of some of the issues, and but ultimately you've got yeah. to see God in it. And not that we had any ins. I mean, mm-hmm. when I mentioned people weren't asking us about moving, not that you know we would. It's it's up to us at all. But we knew a lot of those people were, were moving out of fear. I want out of here. I'm gone. Well, okay, what's uh, is that biblical necessarily? No, there's nothing wrong with that in some cases, but. Um, so to answer the question, I, I, just to add to that, it depends if the big decision needs to be immediate. You know, some people need to make a big decision next week yeah. and trusting God, you know, I'm, I'm limited on time. I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to do what is right. But when you make decisions according to God's will, a lot of it's not me centered. It's going to be what, what is best for others? What is best for God's kingdom? What does God want me to do uh, in this area? Not... Okay, how's this going to benefit me and selfishness? And those kind of decisions can get you into trouble. Um, so looking, is it God honoring, praying, waiting on God? I ask for confirmation a lot. You know, like when we bought the radio station uh, here and, and other things, just waiting on God, just waiting, waiting for confirmation. Yes. And uh, the waiting time is not wasted time. Mm-mm. He'll show you eventually. If you don't know, I think it was Charles Stanley who said, I read, first read his book 20 years ago, if you don't know what to do, it's best not to do anything. You just wait because you don't want to rush out in impulse. Um, uh-oh. I don't know if I can do this one. What does submission from a <laughs> wife look like? <laughs> You're going to have to go back and listen to, to mine and Morgan's podcast. <laughs> How much should her preferences weigh into a big family decision? You know what? That's all you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> Where do I start? It's actually not too hard. No. Because. You go su- first, submiss- Okay. Well, yeah. we forget that they're submitting to a man who is submitting to Jesus Christ. And that's where we get kind of messed up. You know, submission, submission. You shouldn't be pounding the table. You shouldn't be quoting scriptures. They'll want to submit to a man who's submitting to Christ. That's right. And most women, not all, there's some strong personalities, but want someone to lead, someone to take the responsibility, someone to just, you know, let me, let me, you lead, let me follow because you're following Christ. And so the preference is, you know, how much should her preferences, it depends what the preferences are, uh, you know, probably where do they want to live, what type of house, 
you know, or what type of, of, it depends what the preferences are, but I think that's what submission looks like, but it's, all, it's also not the husband's job to just go do whatever he wants to do. He's submitting to God's Word, God's will, God's way, and he submits the family wants to follow. Usually you have a lot of this when the wife knows the husband isn't going in a good direction, mm-hmm. and he's being prideful, and, and the wife is maybe being prideful too and nagging, and you got this going on. <laughs> So as the husband submits, the wife soon follows. But the, the, role, the, the biblical definition is, is, a, is, a, is, is stepping lower and allowing another to lead. And so if God has given the man that, that headship, that responsibility, the woman is to, just, is, is to, is to offer input or suggestions, and, but at some point let the man lead if he's submitting to Christ. Yeah. What that looks like, and in the Bible it says that we should submit to one another. Um, but in cases where you can't, you know, agree, ultimately God has ordained that the husband makes the final decision. And um, it always helps, guys, when we are walking with God, when we are seeking God, when we are uh, doing what God has called us to do. Um, but of course, every couple comes to these types of decisions. And um, humility is is the secret sauce, as my friend would say. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's not this when there's humility. And we do, you know, we submit, I submit to their needs. Like, hey, what do you think about with our kids going into sports mm-hmm. or major decisions in schooling or different things? Hey, what do you think? And you, you come, I, from, for the most part, we kind of come to a decision together. Yeah. I'm not going, I don't care. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just going to run ahead. I mean, most, you know, financial decisions, because you all have vested interests and, and schooling, you kind of, okay, what's best for the family? And mm-hmm. it's mutual submission to, to what's best for the kids and, the, and, and her emotional state. And then they usually want to follow that type of, of leadership. Yeah. Um, not, I mean, there's, there's some, there's also men that are, that are very passive and there's women who are very strong. And when they get married, yeah, that's interesting combination there. Uh, so the man's got to put on the gas and the woman has to put on the brake. In other relationships, the opposite is true. Uh, but the man is first and foremost to lead spiritually. So if they're not leading spiritually, it's really hard to lead and have a person submit in other areas. Uh, do you believe once saved, always saved? Go for it. Go first. Yes. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> I'm just playing now. Yes. Um, I, I see too much in Scripture personally that, that leans towards that side. Um, for example... Um, you know, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Um, just, there's just so many scriptures and the Bible talks about in Ephesians 1 that once we receive Christ, we're sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest. It's the down payment of the coming uh, glorification with him, salvation, the, the, the completion of our sanctification. So um, there's just so much in scripture that tends towards or leans towards uh, we're not holding on to God but he is holding on to mm-hmm. us um, and is it eternal life if once we receive it he can remove it from us and um, 
And I feel, he said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give to them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of the hand, out of my hand. My father which gave me them is greater than all and no man shall pluck them out of, so Jesus is holding on. Where, when you, once you're a part of his flock, there's no one, even yourself, I believe, who can pluck you out of his hand. And uh, I always use this illustration, like I have five children and there's there's uh, days where these these kids, I, I don't recognize them. They're just they're just naughty. They're bad, you know, but <laughs> nothing changes the fact that they've been born. They, they, ha- they share DNA with me. They're part of my family. There's nothing that could ever change that. And I believe this to be true when it comes to salvation. Amen. Amen. But um, for the critic out there, and we'll have plenty, yeah. they say, once always saved, so you're giving per- people just permission to ha- live however they want. Of course not. Those people aren't saved to begin with. Mm. You don't just live however you want if you're no. saved. Uh, and some key verses too, we, we, for, we have to remember that salvation is a supernatural act. So you're dead in your sin, your trespasses, you repent, and you believe. Now Christ comes and saves you, and the Holy Spirit indwells you. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit is given to you as a guarantee. Yeah. And you are sealed until the day of redemption. So now you've had this supernatural rebirth, born again. There's, there's just no way to undo that. It's, it's, it's done, set in stone. You're not going to, now, just, now, what about the prodigal son? You can live, you can quench and grieve the spirit. You can live in misery knowing you're, you're rejecting God because you still have that free will. And, but, but, but once that born again takes place, I just don't see how you can, you know, undo that. And then a couple years later, you're saved again. I went to revival service and a couple years later, I'm not a Christian. And then a couple years later, I'm saved. It, it's, you just don't see that. You just see a child of God secure in his arms. Yes, there's, there, and people that fall away sometimes were they saved to begin with? Because the disciples said they were with us, but they were not among us. Had they been among us, they would have stayed with us. Mm. And so you do see a false convert. People have intellectual knowledge. They like church. They say the right things. Yeah. They go to worship. And hey, but that look, and then they, then they reject God completely. What happened? How, I guess they lost their salvation. They probably didn't have it to begin yeah. with. Yeah. A lot of people have Judas Iscariot tasted of the good things of God. He partook of the things of God. And that's what Hebrews 6 says. Those who have partaken, those who have tasted, if they should fall away, and so those, those words aren't language of someone being saved. It's those of someone searching and partaking mm. and looking. They see, but if they fall away from that truth, yeah. it's going to be hard to, to pull them back in. So yeah, I, I, don't, I don't see how a person can undo their salvation because then it's up to you now. How do you, how, okay, i got to keep this for the rest of my life. How do I keep it? Yeah. Well, by, by, by following Christ, but that's a byproduct of the Holy Spirit. And it's not, it's not something that I have to maintain. Can you imagine living with that? What happens when you get dementia mm. or mental illness yes and you and you can't hold on mental i mean there's just so much there to unpack uh, so let's see here how do we navigate raising our children and their friendships with other children <laughs> who are transgender lgbtq how can we show the love of god while protecting them Well, I think a lot depends on the age of the child, the maturity of the child. Um, I mean, if they're going to go over to their house and have a sleepover, not a good idea. Are they going to go over and you're there, there's supervision, and, you know, so 
to me, you can love people and, and help them be there for them, but you don't have to um, totally cave in and put your children at risks at risk because those in that fluid they call it fluid gender fluidity mm-hmm. fluidity their their hormones and things they they it is easy prey yeah because that's that's how these things happen so mm-hmm. uh, just protect so i think you could reach out and love them and have them maybe over at your house mm-hmm. that would be a rule you know hey you guys can come over for dinner and you can witness to them but as far as letting the children go to their house or in their because you're still the parent yes sir you're you're controlling that atmosphere and environment until they turn 18 or leave and so i think you can still reach these people who struggle uh, because they could be with the wrong crowd and get into sexual promiscuity pornography alcohol just just the same as well. So I nice. I try to have that same protective mechanism. I agree. Any additional thoughts? Oh you no. You get okay. That, yeah. Okay. Walk any questions back to Kyla. I think we got some more coming in. How do I tell God's plan? How do I stay in the right lane? Like discerning God's will. Is that what you're what you're asking? I think so. Um. How do I tell what God's plan is? How do I stay in the right lane? A lot of times we make God's will, I think, harder than it really is um, because His will is clear as far as worshiping me in my word, obeying my word, making disciples, loving others. Being, being It's a commandment to be filled with the Spirit. And so as we're doing these things, I found that all the other things kind of just... You know, I got this major decision, but as I'm doing these things, God will open doors yeah. or God will close doors or God will confirm. Or if I don't have peace about something, yeah. you know, if there's, ah, I just, this doesn't feel right. If I don't have that peace, that assurance, I just, I just don't, don't, don't move in that direction. So I think as we're obeying the things we do know what to do, the rest falls into place. Yeah. But, and I see there's some foster care people here, you know, those types of major decisions, um, and other people, a work decision, should I quit my work? I'm required to get the jab. Should I lose my job? You know, those kind of things. As you're doing God's will, you'll have the peace. You'll have the assurance. You'll have confirmation. And, and it becomes the, the, the time when God's will is most difficult is usually when we're outside of his will in another area. Mm. When we're outside of his will in you name it, and we know we are, and they're like, oh, I'm so confused. I'm so, I don't know what to do. I, I'm, I, this is driving me crazy. I'm anxious. I'm irritable. What is God's will? I'm going to make, I'm going to make the wrong decision. It's usually because they're out of his will yeah. in an area over here and just jumping back. And spe- I mean, I mentioned this a lot from the pulpit, but it's true with couples who are living together mm-hmm. and, um, you know, engaging in premarital sex. And they're wondering what, what is God's will for our marriage? Or do we want, should we get married? I don't know. And they're breaking up and they're breaking up again. And then they're, they're fighting and, and they're confused about this. And it's because they got to get this area Amen. correct first. And also husbands, your, your prayers won't even be answered if you're not treating your wife correctly. And so there's, there, to me, there's things we can, once we know we're doing God's will, the other things are, that are, that are seem big and out of God's will, they become a little bit more clear yes. on, on, uh, as we walk that journey. Amen. I just think the principle um, that, that sticks out right now in my mind is just to seek God first and everything. Just put him in his rightful place and he will direct you. He will direct your path. His, put God, his word, 
uh, as, as at its rightful place in our lives. And he will, the Bible says that he will trust and we trust in the Lord with all of our heart and lean not onto our own understanding and all our ways acknowledge him. He will direct our past. And I know yep. that's that seems to be, you know, cliche, but that's true. That's a promise there that if we put him first, that everything in our lives will fall into place. And, and um, it's really attached. I know in my life, for sure, it's been God's word. A lot of the, the most of the time when I go to God's word, when I'm making a big decision, I go to God's word. And he he usually through that time spent, you know, in his presence, he would direct me. And uh, so I just. Yeah, I feel like that's a big one. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and you made a good point. Proverbs, you know, do not lean on your own understanding. It means leaning is putting your trust into the way you think, the way the world thinks. This doesn't make sense. Mm. And you don't, don't lean on what you're thinking, but trust in God and allow that to, to propel you Amen. in His will. Um, is there an age of accountability? I would say there appears to be so. We don't have an exact age, but it would be, uh, especially there's verses in the Old Testament talk about when they knew the difference between choosing right mm-hmm. and choosing wrong. There, there's an age of accountability there um, that, that, that is factored in to God's will and God's ways. Thoughts on that one? Um, I mean, people offer like 12 years old or 10 when they become, you know, it, it's really hard to say because that age of when they know right and wrong is probably younger than that, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm guessing. I think my two-and-a-half-year-old knows. <laughs> yeah, mine, too. Will you feel sorrow in heaven for loved ones, friends who didn't believe in Jesus? You know, I've thought about that one a lot because there's, there's no tears. Uh, it's this place of, of, of perfection. But will we, will we have no memory, no recollection of here? Um, I mean, I would... If we, if I ever get into a series on heaven, there's a lot of stuff to really unpack. Um, but I would, I would assume not. You know, my personal assumption would be we're probably not going to have these memories that haunt us in heaven. Yeah, because that would that wouldn't be. Whoops, that wouldn't be heaven. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like if you're exactly you're under the weight of that for eternity. Imagine that. You know. So I'm, I'm, I agree with you on that. Do you think the Antichrist is already here? Mm. I have my opinion on that. Mm. I think, personally, if I can go first, Pastor, I think that uh, the Antichrist, this is, this, is, this is my opinion, is a person who is going to be uh, possessed or indwelled by Satan himself, his power. So um, I think he's, he has someone in every generation. I think... He has a man in waiting in every generation um, where he's going to, you know, at, at the point, he's going to feel that man and, and use him uh, to to move forward, you know, his plan. So, um, yeah, I think he's alive in every generation. I think the Antichrist spirit, yeah, yeah. Too for it's sure. already in the earth. It was already in the earth. And I think when the timing is right, you know, um, because Satan isn't, um, he's, um, he's not omniscient like God is. He doesn't know when God's going to say, okay, enough. And if you're pretty millennial, uh, you know, <laughs> if he takes the church away, you know, and, and, or whatever your stance is on end time theology, uh, the, the Satan doesn't know when God is going to, uh, enact, you know, the great tribulation or the, the, his final judgment on the world, world. So, uh, he needs to be ready, you know. I think so. I, I that's my opinion. 
I mean, I, w- I would say so, based on where we're at in the prophetic time clock. There's probably a one-world leader um, out there for sure. How can we share the gospel to a family member who is in a same-sex relationship without offending them or losing that relationship? Well, yeah, I mean, I've had people ask me about going to a wedding of their of their family member who was getting a same sex attract. I mean, same sex marriage, and um, gosh, this would take a little while. But in a nutshell, they probably already know your stance. I'm sure, and so it wouldn't be a time to keep forcing it down their throat. But at the same time, not being so overly, uh, not, not capitulating, not just being so um, worried about offending them that you have to bend rules and you have to uh, you know, accommodate all the time. And somebody had this question come up and they want to stay at their house when they're in town. The same-sex relationship want to stay at their house and they don't want to offend them. But, you know, I think, I, I think we forget that the truth will offend. Yeah. Uh, but our attitude shouldn't. Mm-mm. So I think you can have, have the relationship, have a friendship with them, but at the same time, not cross the boundaries to where now you feel, man, I'm really, I'm really just quenching the Spirit of God. I'm, I'm feeling pushed into this. Yeah. Um, I, I shouldn't be doing this, but I don't want to offend them. I don't think that's the right question. I think the question is, how can I minister to them while at the same time being true to God's Word? Amen. And so it might, might offend, it might offend them, for sure. Yeah. Thoughts on that one? The Gospel is offensive, and, and um, it's going to step on toes, but uh, like you said, we don't have to be offensive. You know, we can do so uh, and share what God has put on our heart with our loved ones um, in those lifestyles with grace, with, you know, acknowledging, hey, I'm, I struggle in areas too. Um, and what's, what made the difference in, in my life is Jesus and, and just kind of, yeah. ex, you know, explain Jesus in a way that, um, that they not necessarily makes it easier for them to come, but just share the truth and, and love is what I believe that's what the Bible is saying. Not beat people over the head with, with the gospel. So, um, yeah, I, I completely agree. And it depends what, what the situation is. If you've yeah. never presented the gospel, mm-hmm. you know, by all means do so. But if you've pushed it quite a few times, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's time to just, just take it to prayer and fasting right. for a season and just love them and not capitulate, not, uh, not, um, welcome it and not, um, have to bend your rules. You know, hold, you hold what, you hold your convictions, but at the same time, they know that you love them. Yeah. And they're usually, uh, when they're struggling with any sexual addiction or a lifestyle, there's an internal struggle that they're already having. They're already having that. So coming alongside and, and, and being there for them is great. Uh, does Satan possess the ability to know our thoughts in order to tempt us? I think you alluded to that earlier. Omni, yeah. Well, omnipresent is everywhere. Omnipotent is all-powerful. And omniscient is all-knowing. And uh, as far as I know, I don't think he's all-knowing uh, as far as, you know, our thought life, especially if your thought life, you're thinking them. I don't know if he can go in and see what you're thinking, but if you begin to speak it out, you begin to talk to others. Uh, and, and, and Satan's been around a long time. Yes. It's nothing new. Less of the flesh, less of the eye, the pride of life. Okay. Yep. And a lot of times he'll give you, there'll be a thought that you might think is your own thought. And you're like, oh, okay, that, that's my thought. That must not be too bad. 
but he'll 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 be the, the it's pretty clear that the the enemy can plant those fiery darts those thoughts in your mind mm-hmm. and so although i don't think he can read our mind or know what we're thinking uh he can plant thoughts because he sees our predispositions he already knows what you what you struggle with mm-hmm. he already knows the challenges you go through your strongholds mm-hmm. in your life and he'll he'll plant seeds there or he'll He'll bring in someone to your life that can kind of might be a conflict there. And so I think he can work things, but not reading your thoughts per se. I agree. Okay, let's see here. It talks about the 144,000 in Revelation. Does that mean that out of all the Christians in the world, only 144,000 will go to heaven? No, that's a Jehovah Witness belief. Uh, and it would take a little time. We'd have to look at the context. And it, to me, it's it's dealing with a perfect number, mm-hmm. uh, this perfect number of completion, or it could be 144,000 of this end time saints. There's a couple different views out there, but no, I don't think uh, it's only those who will go to heaven uh, whatsoever. It's all who believe in Jesus. Amen. In a marriage, since two are now one, is it possible to be held accountable for our spouse's sins? Mm. If you're fully aware of those ongoing sins, I don't think so. No, no, it's no. up to the individual. Now you can be an enabler, and that could be a sin in and of itself. Mm-hmm. Enabling something, you know, if you, you, you drive into the liquor store <laughs> and picking up a case of Budweiser, yeah. you know, you're enabling that. Yeah. Uh, so, but I don't think you share in the in the sins of that of that person. Um, another question too. This will be interesting. Back to what we first started with. Why are most black voters Democrat? Mm, we talked about this recently. Mm. <clears throat> I think culturally, of course. Culturally, yes. It's culture over, a lot of cases, over truth. Mm. You know, um, historically, we know that the Democratic Party um, was the racist party, uh, was for slavery. I don't know if you guys knew that. And... Uh, but they talk about a switch. Uh, no one really knows when that switch took place. 1960s, um, 70s. <laughs> 1960s, yeah. 70s. Um, um, however, I saw something today, really, that uh, kind of explained why, um, in his opinion, a lot of black, uh, of the, most of the black community votes Democrat. And um, what they were saying was that the Republicans did great in, uh, of course, slavery being abolished and civil war and, and getting... Uh, the slaves out of slavery, um, but however, later on down the line, they kind of dropped the ball in areas like voting rights and other equality issues. And so the Democratic Party saw an opportunity and they began to champion these issues. And um, and so uh, the, the, the black community began to uh, gravitate towards the Democratic Party because their politicians were speaking out against the issues that matter to the black community. And if you talk to any, uh, you know, black Democrat today, most of them will say, I vote this way because, even if they're Christian, because uh, what they do for the people, what they do for my people, I'm trying to get, you know, my community out of poverty or you name it. And, um, you know, I don't agree with that, of course. <laughs> Obviously, I wouldn't be here. Most of my family is Democrat. Um, of course, before I'm black or or anything else i'm a christian so i go to the scriptures and i vote biblically right and so um so yeah that's gotten me a lot of flack you know it's gotten you know a lot of um 
people in my family don't socialize with me, and uh, I love them, you know, and treat them the same, but um, to answer that question, I think it's cultural. Grandma did it, mom did it for generations, so we're gonna keep voting for them, um, and every year they hit, uh, or every time there's an election, you see, you know, BLM come up, right? And, and racial issues become the, the main thing and get people emotionally charged up by, you know, these issues, these hot button topics for the black community. And then they vote that way. And then they get into power and then they do nothing about the issues. And that's what I see the cycle is, um, personally. And that's just looking objectively. I wouldn't call myself a Republican. I would, I would identify it as a, uh, there's, there's problems on both sides of this thing. There's big problems right now. I think they're all, well, let me mm-hmm. be quiet. <laughs> I've been hanging around with Pastor too long. So no. <laughs> no, really, the last two years has really opened my eyes to the corruption on, on both ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, in America, on, I mean, you, you cannot have a, a, a booming sex trafficking industry without politicians, business CEOs, you know, you name it, FBI, CIA, uh, looking the other way. And I'm just telling you guys, we, we're, we're in deep trouble. That's why we keep seeking God, yeah. because apart from revival, this nation will crumble. Look at what destroyed Rome. It crumbled from the inside morally. And when a nation loses its moral compass, and I'm not even talking about uh, being a Christian nation, I'm talking about just simple things like protecting the most innocent of our of our society, babies in the womb. When you lose your conscience as a nation, you are on the the path of destruction. China's in big trouble right now. You remember they were limiting how many children people could have. There were you know these botched abortions and all these things when people were having girls. Not, but I mean, but right now they're in big trouble because they don't have enough people coming up to sustain the older population. I mean, just so many things. When you get out away from God's way, there's so many implications from that in society. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know how I got off on that, but um, and back to the. That initial question, yeah. you hear the word progressive, progressives, uh, it's usually not really a good term, how we look at it, but like in the black community, progressive would be good because the, the past, past is not good. Yeah. So they would embrace progressivism, whereas this side, Republicans or whatever, embrace conservative. Have you heard of conservatism? Because they want to conserve the America right, of the 1940s right. and 50s right. and, and God-fearing and, and white picket fence and freedoms. And they want to conserve that where the other wants to progress. And, and they, didn't, they, they look back, they don't, they don't like the history. Yeah. Uh, so again, you got two different lenses looking through life differently. And that's, you know, that's very true. And I, I, um, I have to catch myself, you know, because I come from conservative camps and Mm-hmm. And, but I also lived in America as a black man, and you know I've, I've, I've experienced racism even within the church. Mm-hmm. You know, I, even when I was training for ministry, I could tell things, but I won't say. Um, however, um, one extreme or the other isn't good. Right. Like when the, the past is, of course, wicked, and it's a, it is a dark spot on America, and racism still is. Um, there still is racism in America. Mm-hmm. Um, however. The progressive, the, the the direction that progressives are going today, is, is almost just as destructive. If you see it for what it is with CRT and other things, which 
is trying to put out a fire with another fire, you know, like, so I, I, um, I just try to keep my eyes on, on, on God, you know, and, and I don't, I wasn't taught to see skin color. My mother did a great job of just telling us to love people and to treat people with dignity and respect. And that's what I teach my children. Um, hmm. I could see, you know, one day having a son-in-law who's white or a daughter-in-law, you know, I, I have no, we see no skin color. And, um, and I think that that's where we need to be as, as followers of Christ, because really there is only one race, the human race. Yeah. And I often, I often wonder if the media wasn't fueling racism, we oh. wouldn't have it to the degree we do now. Can you yeah. imagine showing the, uh, we had a, he doesn't, they don't go here anymore, but one of the, the white police officers pulled over on the 101 freeway and gave a black girl CPR who was CPR. overdosing. Yeah. And I, I told Fox News and nobody wants to, no, they won't tell the no. good stuff. No. It doesn't fit their narrative. No. And so you see there's, it's a lot, it's, it's not as bad as people are making out to be. Is it there? Of course. Of course. But you change the heart. Because what, what are all these training going to do and CRT and pushing it? So you're going to go to schools and say, white is oppressor and black's your victims. Okay, uh, how is it going to fix itself? Now you just created even more d- division. In order to conquer us, they have to divide us. Exactly right. Yeah, that's what they're doing. And um, yeah, that's where we're at. So true. Good answer. What are healthy boundaries versus selfish boundaries? That's a little vague as far as like in relationships, in the workplace. Um, I think healthy boundaries, healthy boundaries. Hmm. It depends what, what the, the principles should still help. But um, for example, pastoring too, we have to have healthy boundaries. And it kind of upsets people sometimes. I want Pastor Chain available 24-7. <laughs> I want to fix every single problem. I want to be here. I've, I, I, I got to be at potlucks and functions and weddings and memorials and funerals in eight different places at one time. And uh, so there's boundaries, and sometimes not everyone likes those boundaries. Like, you mean I can't have your cell number? Well, some people can, but, you know, a thousand people go here. That's a lot of texting. And not everyone's fans of, <laughs> you know, the ministry. So... Um, so boundaries, kind of selfishness is, is about you and, and I don't want to be bothered. I don't want to, I'm lazy and, mm-hmm. and I've got, it's all about me and leave me alone versus boundaries. Like these, this, I got to have this to, to have a healthy marriage. And so my kid, my kids hate or the risk, uh, run the risk of hating the phone. They do not like us on it. Get off the phone. Stop, you know, so you can really damage your family mm-hmm. too if you don't have the boundaries. So I think setting boundaries to to edify your marriage, to edify your own per- personal growth. Um, one boundary I have that I try is 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 it's is I don't look at it 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. And those 12 hours are just kind of off. Um, but sometimes I'll get up and put on worship early in the morning and things. But that's kind of my. If not, I've got you know sometimes texting at five in the morning till 10 or 11 at night. Mm-hmm. Different things going on. So setting boundaries that are healthy for the marriage, healthy for the ministry, healthy for your own sanity. So in your case. Um, setting boundaries to where your marriage is still thriving, your relationship with kids is good. You can't be a people pleaser and saying yes to everything because ultimately it will it will hurt you in other areas as well. Sure. Amen. I agree with that. Boundaries are healthy <clears throat> and um, unhealthy boundaries uh, will, like he said, would be selfish. Would be don't bother me. You know, it's it's more about me, 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 me. Um, so you got to find that balance. And, and that's what I, I 
striving to find that balance, you know, yes. um, in life. How do you think we will communicate with one another in heaven? We'll be able to recognize our loved ones. Um, it's interesting because a new, a new body, and I'm assuming probably the communication is going to be similar, some mm-hmm. type of communication. So I think we would be able to communicate in heaven, and I think we will be able to recognize those that we used to know here on earth. Amen, I agree. Should you approach a brother or sister in Christ even though you know they will reject your counsel? And if they do reject your counsel, how do you go forward from there? Well, if somebody was asking me this, I'd probably get more information. What's it regarding? Uh, what's it pertaining to? Something that needs to be addressed? Or something where you, you just want to share your opinion? But let's say it's, it's a, uh, something you need to, to address with someone about. And if they reject your counsel, where do you go from there? If you're talking like Matthew 18, like church discipline, that, that's a whole nother can of worms. That would be something where you would go to someone. Um, let's say you know somebody who's cheating on their spouse and you go to them and they're not, they're, hey man, leave me alone. This is my life. Then you bring a couple other people and then you have to let the church know because you can't allow someone to come in and fellowship who's in blatant sin. Uh, so that's a, I wrote on that as well. There's a couple articles you can look at where we've had to kind of come close to doing this in the past. Not really up here, but Lancaster a few times. Um, but if that's, if that's not what you're referring to, then I would go to them, say, Hey, you know, you're, 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 you just love them enough to tell them the truth. And then I would let somebody just absorb it for a while mm-hmm. because you're not going to get immediate results. Normally they don't want to hear what you're saying. Spouses can relate <laughs> when your spouse dies. No? You guys are going to leave me hanging on that no, one. Brad, come on. You know, right? Tim. Okay. <laughs> yeah. look, i got to look for some, some, some support out here. But um, so I think you, you should go to them, let them know you love them, and, and, and maybe not a, uh, uh, go in a prideful attitude at all. Go in a humble attitude and build them up and, and, then, and then tell them what you notice, but then give it some time. You go forward uh, by getting it off your chest, letting them absorb it, letting them you know just chew on it for a little while, and then see where it goes forward. Are they just going to now ignore you and reject you, or are they open for future dialogue? So it really depends on the situation. Yeah. The Bible says, "Faithful are, are the, the wounds, wounds of a friend." And there's been times when my friends yeah had to say things that hurt, and at first I was not wanting to hear it, but like you said, if you if that person processes that. Um, it could be one of the greatest things you do. And I'm kind of like this. If you see me with, you know, food in my teeth or a booger in my nose or something like that, if you don't tell me, mm. you're mm. not my friend. Mm. And I feel sure. like spiritually, you know, and I'm not saying little things, you know, but if you know of a brother cotton sin, like, uh, you know, and, and issues that are, that's going to be destructive in his life and in others and a, the, the biblical thing I think to do is to go down. Or yeah, hurt. true, so. true. What's your opinion on tattoos? Hmm. Want to see mine? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, Bill and Nancy. Like, oh my god! <laughs> <Faster>. <laughs> uh, 
Ooh. I just never wanted a needle in my body for two hours putting ink underneath my skin. I just have no desire ever. Uh, now, a lot of people are wondering, the Bible says do not take a mark or tattoo uh, for, the, for the dead. And what they would do is they would cut, uh, cut their body uh, maybe and, and, and doing something for the dead. Those who have died more of a ritualistic, ceremonial, uh, not biblical type of thing, and they would cut their their cells. We see, you see that early, like Native Americans too, and even those uh, in other countries. You know, a couple hundred years ago, and in the mission field, when they go, they'll mm-hmm. they'll find these markings that they make with with stones that are that are sharp like a knife, and they'll they'll cut uh, for maybe loved ones that have died. So the Bible says, don't do that. Don't do mark your body up for the dead. Um, personally, I would err on the side of not getting tattoos. I uh, just, you know, I just, just think it's, it's wise if you're asking my opinion. Right. Is it a sin? I don't think so. Um, but when you get older, you're going to go, oh, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> it's got wrinkly. Uh, so, you know, it's a big fad right now. When I was younger, it wasn't really. Those who got tattoos were sailors and in the Marines and, and, uh, or after a night on the town. <laughs> with too many margaritas but today it's real popular um, so my opinion is um, you know it's it's permissible but is it is it beneficial you know hmm. yeah that's what I would be I wouldn't I wouldn't label it as you know completely sinful but I think we have liberty in Christ in certain areas we know where God is not made it you know black and white um, personally I would lean towards not you know, um, but would I fault you if you came in here with the sleeve, you know, next week? No, not necessarily. But, um, but I, yeah, I would just lean, I would say for a Christian, we, our body, you know, it's a temple of the Lord. And anything that we put on that, you know, you say, look, Pastor, I got this new Bible verse, you know. Yeah, that's, that's great, you know, but it would be even better if you lived. <laughs> that's that's I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry. That's a good one. But... <laughs> My kids each get $1,000 if they don't have one by age 25. Hey, that's a good incentive. Let's I'm do actually that. serious. I learned that. Oh, that's uh, good. Don't right. judge me. <laughs> that's good. 25? 25. Okay. By then, they should have, you know. You should have put that money aside and said, I put it the yeah. 1000 already. It's going to get some interest. You're going to take it or get it. <laughs> What should a believer do? I think we're like narrowing down here, just coming to an end. What should a believer do if the church in their area, I guess that they're going to, doesn't preach the gospel as the Bible is written regarding sin, voting for God's interest, teaching the gifts of spirit? Yeah, I would, that would be a hard time. I have a hard time going to that church. Uh, so I think maybe this is somewhat online. I think it is yeah. actually. Um, but I would also say, okay, Lord, what do you want me? Do you want me here for a season? Do you want me praying for this pastor, for this leadership? And I believe that you'll feel a release if it's time to go. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, this, okay, Lord, you've come, you confirm this. I feel released from this. I'm going to, I'm going to find a, a Bible believing church. Yeah. And I think it's healthy, but I would, I would pray first just, just to see if God doesn't want you there for a season or maybe yeah. to speak to the leadership and say, Hey, here's what I'm sensing. Sometimes you need that wake up call. And to really make some changes. I remember a church uh, in town. I won't tell you the church. Me and my wife were going there. And um, <laughs> the, 
they, like they never had an altar call ever. It wasn't never urgency, nothing. I, we, we met with the pastor about some other things. And actually, once we left, I found out that they started to do that more regularly. Mm. And he realized, um, another, another, I don't know if I should say this, but I will. But, um, he's preaching a sermon. And, uh, the, the sound and media team, it was on lying. And they put up a clip from a, a Jim Carrey's movie, Liar, Liar. And you've got this girl standing there with just, almost coming out of her shirt, having a dialogue with Jim Carrey in the elevator, and that's part of his sermon. I'm like, what in the world is going on here? Mm. And so that, and a couple other things, so we talked to him, and he goes, oh yeah, I didn't notice that, the sound team must have did it, and I don't know how that's possible, but anyway, so, but, but, but it was hard to do that, yeah. um, and you know, I, we weren't going with the spirit of, of judgmentalism, but just like some genuine concerns, uh, and, and they made some changes to that by, by speaking the truth and love. But sometimes they don't. Uh, so, and they, <laughs> the pastor also did say, well, this not, might not be the church for you and Morgan. Uh, and so, wow. okay. So we'll start West Side of Christian Fellowship, I guess. <laughs> Let's go. Um, yep. But and people have, people have come and, and told us too, oh, you yeah. know, or just recently we shared, mm-hmm. a guy came up and said he was having a hard time. He doesn't like, you know, when I mention Joe Olstein or people from the pulpit, you yeah. don't think it's, it's not really needed. I, I think it's not, you don't, you, need, you don't need to go there. It kind of dumbs down the message a little bit. I'm like, okay, I'll take that to the Lord. Yeah. That's a good, yeah. he t- actually said about you too. Yeah. Not and just me. And we're open. So, <laughs> and we don't know, go into services no. like, no, today. Yeah. I'm mine mine Joel, normally like just Lord. comes out. Yeah. Mine, <laughs> mine just bad. comes out. But that's good advice. That's you, good. Know, you take it to the Lord. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we can, yeah. you know, not really have to. Yeah name names sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that was, that's been good. If people are teachable, that's really the key is, are they, are they teachable and open? That's true. Um, finally, should we consider ourselves Jewish by adoption through Jesus Christ because we are born again spiritually? I would say no, because the Jewish is a, the Jews are a race of people, mm-hmm. but we are grafted in to the body of Christ. There's no, neither Jew nor Gentile. So spiritually speaking, we're all part of the body of Christ, yeah. but I don't think we would be considered Jewish coming from the lineage of Abram and Isaac and Jacob. Mm. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. But if you have a rich Jewish uncle or aunt who wants to <laughs> adopt us. <laughs> and then, oh, that's why I, I knew it was probably going here. Should we learn the practices or customs? Um, we actually had a in our family um, kind of a split um, in our family met a year and a half ago. I don't know. I'm going to. T- they might be watching. Huh? I probably shouldn't. No, they're not watching this. <laughs> but they got really into the Jewish festivals and feasts, and almost to where if you weren't doing it, you if you weren't following the feast, you know. And I would ask, so I might say, well, you're you're saved, but Jesus plus all the festivals and the feasts and mm-hmm. and it was it was interesting dialogue because i mean they're they're like they're they're brainwashed they got it they got it down old testament but mm-hmm. they haven't switched to the new testament mm-hmm. yet so i would say the festivals are very informative uh, the Feast of Unleavened Bread and the Tabernacle and, and how the, the, the booths and how they would make their, for the yeah. Passover lamb and the unleavened and what it's about. Very interesting. Very festivals or if you want to even do a, a, uh, 
a Seder dinner some night and learn what that is. It's very beneficial. I think it's very good to educate yourself. But to to say, okay, we've got to we've got to follow these festivals now. We've got to. Paul actually says, "There's no let no one judge you on new moons and Sabbaths and festivals, yes. uh, because they are a foreshadowing of Christ who is to come." Amen. So um, I would say, learn from them if you'd like. But a lot of times people get caught up in that that that. You know, they, they, and they think they're super spiritual because they're doing the festive festivals and the, all, all the traditions of the Old Testament. Yep. And really, you can't follow the Old Testament perfectly. No. Okay, we're going to the end here. In regards to letters Paul wrote to the different churches in Timothy, can we relate those churches today? The Baptists, the Pentecost, the Pentecostals, um, we have the Pauline epistles to different churches, and then you have you know his letter to Timothy, First and Second Timothy. So I would say, um, yeah, all, all those principles are foundational. You can relate them to Baptist churches, mm-hmm. Pentecostal churches. Uh, we mentioned also fundamentalism, yeah. where Abram came out of more of a, a fundamentalism type upbringing, just you know the rules and regulations and. Um, you know, a lot different than how, what I came out of. Uh, I came out of more of, of kind of what you guys see here. Mm-hmm. But, you know, maybe you can speak to I that speak briefly. To that. <clears throat> well, fundamentalism rules, or, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. It's more of uh, standards, rules uh, to regulate people, to control people, honestly, to be, uh, to be frank. And, and not just on, how can I say, biblical issues, but lifestyle issues. Uh, let me give you an example. When we were going to uh, travel to raise money to go to, to Los Angeles, I was reaching out to a lot of different pastors and um, trying to get into their, you know, to, to go to their churches and, and to present the ministry. And they, were, they would send me back uh, these surveys to fill out to see where I stood on certain issues. And I remember one I was filling out, and it, was, it asked me, does your wife wear pants? Hmm. <laughs> no support if she's a skirt wearer. If she's if, if she's wearing she's a dress, a, if she wears on a pants, pants, no support, no support. You can't come here. Um, boy, and this, boy. I'm, I can keep going. I can tell you other stories. Um, no King uh, James only. King James only. That was a given. Um, and so I would fill out these surveys, and and it was what happens is these people had come, this group of people, fundamentalists, where I came from, Baptist fundamentalism. They came out from the Southern Baptist movement because there was some too question. loose. Yeah, there too was. Loose. Yeah, they were getting loose on standards, and and it was affecting. It was it was infiltrating the doctrine, those stance on the churches, and so they they did separate for some some right reasons. But the separation didn't stop there. They began to separate from one another over other issues. There's different camps, and it's not it's not about the Bible. It's not about anything. It's about a man's standard, a man-made. Uh, preference. So, um, so just, you know, just to be respectful, I, don't get me wrong. I'm thankful for the, the foundation that I was given because where I come from, we, we, we're Baptists and, and let me just explain what that means. Um, Pastor talked about it the other day. We believed in baptism after salvation, right? And we had an acrostic, uh, B, the Bible is our final authority. A, the autonomy of the local church, which we believe. There's some denominations that um, they have a mother church and it tells you who, what to do. And we didn't believe that. The, the autonomy of the local church. Um, 
Uh, P, uh, priesthood of the believer. We believe that every believer was a priest, and I believe that's biblical. T, uh, two ordinances, baptism and the Lord's Supper or communion. I, individual soul liberty. Uh, a person has to choose Christ on their own. S, the separation of church and state. We believe that we shouldn't, uh, there should not be any governing factor uh, government or anything over if impacting how we worship God and two is two officers the deacon and the pastor within the church so that's how we identified ourselves okay. and um and the right kind of separation of church and exactly state. not yeah. not that we don't speak towards yeah 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 political issues obviously but that because uh, there should be a, a distinction God should God be. separated the functions but they should be interwoven Amen. in their core beliefs and values the church should influence Yes. Technically, the state, the government. We should be that voice of truth. Martin Definitely. Luther King Jr. was big on that, he that was. conscience of the nation. Exactly. But you don't marry the two. No. Then it becomes a state-ran religion. Exactly. And that's not good. So so we um, took pride in that. Yeah. Man. And that's what happened. Men got prideful about their stance and, and adding extra rules. And it, it just it didn't end. It, didn't, it does not end well that way. True, um, true. And so God had to show me that. I was... I was steeped into that. Part of the reason why I kept the pastor at arm's length mm-hmm. is because he was not a Baptist pastor. <laughs> and uh, and we snuck over. I tell you guys story all the time, you know, to see Westside in its early days. And, and um, But anyways. And I said, can you come preach for me? He goes, I can't. I, my denomination will let me. I'm like, I couldn't. Whoa, what's wrong with me? The, the, nothing. The first time I preached here, you know, it was that was a big deal for me. I had to, you know, had some tough conversations and 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 cut some ties. But I'm I'm thankful. Yeah, it was it was good. We'll have to tell you the story sometime. Yeah. Erica's prayers were answered. Amen. <laughs> I brought her. I made her a fundy. Like that's what we call it. <laughs> I, she was more more on non-denominational, right. and you yeah, heard yeah, she yeah. got saved at a church with a woman pastor. Mm-hmm. Like, and I brought her over. And so when God began to shift to me, she was like, "Whoa, oh, right. what's going on?" It kind of hit oh, her yeah, yeah. kind of quickly. So, um, but thank God she's she's a, a great wife, submissive wife, and she let me work through these issues and and just pray for me. Yeah, long story short, three years ago, maybe? About three years old, four now. I emailed Pastor Abram because I was just watching their church plant in L.A. and said, hey, I'm going on vacation. You want to speak for me? Mm-hmm. And that's what started. I didn't know he couldn't because I guess we're not <laughs> as holy as the other denomination. Um, but that's kind of what started. You know, so he's like, ah, and eventually did. And then kind of God was working in his heart. And, um, and we were able to bless the church down there financially yeah, and help get them kind of just going in a good direction that. yeah and then god was just working in their heart to get them back to the av and yeah. it's kind of a, a long story it but is, it was yeah. it was fun it was a fun journey that's right yeah yeah i found, I found mm-hmm. you i had you i had you send me a sermon you didn't know why yeah i was like why is this guy when he asked me yeah. can you send me one of your messages and i'm like why do you want to hear this but i said i found the best one i could find <laughs> it's like well, let me i think that was a good one yeah it was, it was good. It worked out good <laughs> So, any other questions? Quick. Yeah, the, for those listening online or can't hear, if heaven was so great, what happened to the third of the angels that the Bible talks about that Satan took with him? And that is that is a great mystery. Uh, we don't know exactly. Obviously, there was some free will that was involved. Maybe Satan promised uh, certain things, and pride was evident. And um, that one's always, you know, it's always been a tough one for me too. Um, quite under, not why would they why would they do that other than uh, free will was engaged mm. I don't know any and thoughts. I think the part two of that question was where did they go after they were kicked oh, yeah. out 
I think they were here. Um, the earth was dark, it was without form at that point. Um, and this was their territory until God put Adam, of course, and he created him and made him the head of this territory. Of course, Satan hated that. And that's why he targeted them. And we know the fall of man soon followed. Um, so yeah, demons, they're fallen angels. You know, yeah. there's, I mean, so they're, you know, the demonic realm is alive and well still to this very day. And so, um, yeah, I, I hope that answers that part. Yeah, Katie, real quick. Well, we know there's demonic, the demonic realms here, and so we're assuming that they're, they're fallen angels. Yeah. If you've enjoyed this episode of Idleman Unplugged, be sure to send us your ideas and topics for future episodes of the podcast. You can send us an email at westsidechristianfellowship.org or shaneidleman.com. Again, my name is Luke Duncan, and I am your host of Idleman Unplugged. Thank you for listening to us today, and join us again on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Idleman Unplugged. For more information, visit us at shaneidleman.com. Again, that's shaneidleman.com. This podcast is part of the Edify Podcast Network. Edify is a faith-inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. El Paseo Publications proudly supports the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network. We are committed to quality in Christian publication. Free ebooks can be found at westsidechristianfellowship.org under free ebooks. Books such as What Works for Men and What Works for Young Adults will help readers understand that the obstacles ahead are never greater than God's power to take you through. Books such as What Works When Diets Don't and Feasting and Fasting demonstrate how health can be achieved from a biblical perspective. Other free books such as Answers for a Confused Church and Desperate for More of God show the importance of fully surrendering our lives to Christ. And One Nation Above God is a must-read for anyone concerned about the direction of America. Again, free downloads of these ebooks are available at westsidechristianfellowship.org. We are happy about partnering with the Westside Christian Fellowship Radio Network.